Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a good holiday weekend. And we're ready to go now with Labor Day behind us. We start focusing more and more on the farm bill once again. And, of course, trying to stay up to date on these trade negotiations. We'll be talking about all that and more coming up today. Plus, yet another lawsuit filed by the renewable fuels industry over those uh, small refinery waivers granted by EPA and the lack of uh, information in the request for on the Freedom of Information Act. So uh, another lawsuit. We'll talk with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, a little bit later on about that. We'll be talking trade today with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. And as uh, we get into harvest now, we'll talk with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Looks like it could be a wet week ahead for several parts of the country. But right now, we start things off with Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher of AgriPulse. Good to talk with you, Sarah. We have the Farm Progress Show behind us, Labor Day behind us. So I guess we're really going to start focusing more and more on the Farm Bill now, right? Absolutely, Mike. This looks to be a very big week for the Farm Bill with a conference committee meeting scheduled for 9.30 Eastern tomorrow morning. We've got a big lineup, 47 House members, 9 Senate members, so you can expect a full morning of speech buying and comments about what should and should not be in the final bill. Any indication at all that they are any closer to resolving the big issues like the uh, nutrition program and some of the other issues, conservation, others that are in there, but uh, of course SNAP right at the top of the list, any indication they've worked anything out on those issues well mike as you know it was kind of radio silent over the labor day weekend but staff members have continued to work on trying to narrow down the differences and find those sweet spots of compromise between the two versions i think they've made a lot of progress as colin peterson told us last week on you know probably 75 percent of the titles but those tricky parts are still nutrition and conservation and a couple little uh, other issues here and there. And so I have not heard that they've made any resolution there yet, but I'm sure they're working feverishly to do so and also to make sure that the money works. You know, there's not that much difference in the overall spending between the two measures, but still it all has to come in within that CBO score and uh, so they're, they're working to make sure that all of the different funding levels are appropriately the same, too. Of course, the, uh, the, the kind of the goal is by many is to get it done by the end of September. Do you think that's realistic? Well, I think it's a realistic goal. The question becomes whether it's something that they can actually accomplish by the end of the of the month and as you may have noticed uh, a lot of oxygen is being taken up today by the kavanaugh hearings you've got some members in the senate who will also be going in and out of those in the next few days you've got a push to get some appropriations bills done which are also supposed to be completed by the end of the fiscal year uh, so the end of this month uh you've got folks that are called into other confirmation hearings so there's just a lot of work, especially in the Senate and in the House on Appropriations, that needs to be done. So I think it's a, a good goal, uh, but I'd be really surprised if they actually meet September 30th. 
uh, if they have a breakthrough, yeah, it's possible, and it'd be just a, a wonderful thing for farmers and ranchers to have a farm bill finalized on time and give them that certainty that they certainly are not getting on the trade front. Yeah, a lot of political drama already playing out today on the Kavanaugh hearing. Uh, no doubt the the president would like to have a farm bill in place, I'm sure, before the midterm elections. Oh, absolutely. I think both parties have recognized that this gives their rural voters, uh, who are especially important to President Trump, uh, really a, a leg up going into the midterms because most of the recent polls don't show that they are getting any momentum and, in fact, that the Democrats are really coming on strong. So I think that's a, certainly a push. And you may have noticed in some of the president's comments, he's not said he won't sign the bill if it doesn't get the nutrition language that the House has proposed. He's supported it, but he hasn't issued any veto threats. So uh, I think there's still room for compromise there. Talking with Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. Well, we thought maybe today, Sarah, we might be talking about uh, a NAFTA with all three countries back in, but uh, Canada's still not in the fold. What are you hearing there? Well, our trade editor, Bill Thompson, stood outside the USTR offices for hours last week into the wee hours of the night waiting for them to come out or that white smoke to appear, you know, that they'd had a deal. But they left Friday uh, and they are returning now on Wednesday to try to see if there's some additional compromises that can be reached. It sounds like they've made some progress on auto parts, Mike, but dairy is still a very contentious issue. And, you know, the president has been playing this uh, very close to the vest. He tweeted over the weekend that there's no political necessity to keep Canada in a new NAFTA deal, even though I think many members of Congress would like to have a trilateral deal, not just a bilateral deal. Um, so, you know, he's saying it's okay to go ahead with Mexico only. They notified Congress last Friday that they intend to go ahead, but there's this 30-day window between when the president notified Congress and when they actually have to have the text into Congress that Canada can still jump in. So we're watching very closely to see if there can be some concessions on dairy, especially on the Class 7 milk pricing scheme, if there can be some changes there that would be consistent with what this administration has been trying to do in removing those unfair trade barriers. Have you seen any details on what we got in deal with Mexico? I mean, is it a, is it gets it back to where we were, or did we gain something? What have you seen? Well, I haven't seen a lot of details, but my understanding is, is that, you know, we had a, a, a deal previously with both Mexico and Canada, and the mantra going forward was, do no harm. And so on agriculture, I think that was primarily the case, except there was, a, there was some dispute resolution language that was making some of the uh, fresh fruit and vegetable folks a little bit nervous. Uh, we did better on car parts and on uh, the amount of an automobile that needs to be manufactured in the U.S. versus uh, the other countries. But on agriculture, I think that we came back closer to where we were with some nice modifications that can give people some feeling that they'll have still a good trading partner with Mexico on ag. 
All right, Sarah, thank you, and congratulations on the great reporting you, well, you always do, but uh, especially on the uh, ag aid numbers came out right on what you were reporting. Uh, you were, just, despite uh, what USDA was trying to say about you and your reporting, you were right on. You were justified in the end. Thank you, uh, and congratulations. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate the support that several members of the media gave us when a kind of a contentious situation, but we're here to try to deliver for farmers and ranchers the, the best facts that we possibly can, and, and we are glad to be able to break that story. Yeah, great work. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Mike. Sarah Wyatt, editor, publisher of AgriPulse Communications. All right, we're getting into harvest time. Let's uh, check the weather next with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson, coming next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic. Safe. Effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, 
or this. Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, harvest underway in some parts of the country, getting close in others. What will the uh, forecast be this week? Looks like it might be wet in some areas. Let's check in with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, uh, hope you had a good holiday weekend. Thanks for joining us. Uh, What's ahead this week? Who's getting rain? Well, Mike, uh, this week is going to be, uh, again, very wet uh, over an air, uh, kind of a corridor from the Southern Plains, uh, actually all the way to uh, the lower Rio Grande Valley in Texas, uh, north and northeast, clear into the northern Midwest. Uh, there's uh, been a pretty good round of uh, flooding in central Kansas and southeastern Nebraska, and then in much of the northern half of Iowa into the southeastern third of Minnesota, western Wisconsin, northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin as well. So that, uh, that corridor of uh, moderate to heavy rain is going to be with us probably until uh, the end of the day Wednesday and then into early Thursday before things uh, finally start letting up a little bit. But uh, this is uh, definitely a, uh, a real uh, you know, mixed uh, blessing, uh, in some cases an impediment, because obviously soil moisture for uh, winter wheat is is useful, but uh, you know you get into these uh, fields in the western uh, corn belt uh, where it's already been very very wet. I'm kind of concerned that we're going to start seeing some crop get lodged and maybe even some late ponding out. And uh, you kind of wonder about if there's going to be any uh, fungus problems develop here late in the season also. So it's certainly not the uh, best of all worlds by any means. Well, that's why we're always reminded, even when it looks like a good crop out in the field, until it's in the bin, until it's harvested, you know, it's not a done deal yet. And these challenges, late season challenges, can always pop up. Yeah, they really can. And, uh, and, and that's the, you know, that, that's the big thing that I think is, uh, you know, so important to, uh, to keep in mind. The, the uh, situation, I think, is going to stay with us again through tomorrow. Then it, it does look like this, uh, this frontal boundary that has been just kind of draped across uh, the, the uh, central part of the country from southwest to northeast is uh, going to uh, kind of flatten out a little bit and then lift northward toward the U.S.-Canadian border during the next 10 days. And that would be a very important uh, feature to happen because it would lead to drier conditions and maybe a little bit of a reduction in some of the flooding that we're seeing. Now, we've had some hot, muggy weather in the Midwest uh, the last few days. Are we starting to get that behind us now that we're into September? I think we're going to see uh, a little bit of a lessening of the of the real hot conditions. Now, the humidity, I think, is uh, maybe still going to be with us, frankly, uh, for that, because uh, there still is a... Uh, a, a pretty good uh, inflow of moisture out of the Gulf of Mexico. We've got this tropical storm called Gordon that's going to make landfall around Biloxi, Mississippi later today. And so there still is a, a pretty decent amount of uh, moisture that's uh, working its way northward, and it's going to stay with us. And then, of course, um, again, I'm thinking of the western Corn Belt now. Uh, there's going to be, you know, a lot of uh, saturated ground and so that's going to be um, the source for low-level moisture 
to uh, kind of be with us for a number of days. Could uh, could mean that we have a fair amount of fog, uh, you know, once uh, things kind of calm down on the precipitation side. So that's going to be a feature. Now, I should say, while all this is going on, that uh, in the eastern Corn Belt, I know that uh, harvest uh, was getting underway in uh, western Kentucky last week. I talked to some growers at the Farm Progress Show last week in, in central Iowa uh, where, who uh, were talking uh, about uh, harvest beginning in southern Illinois, maybe, uh, during the, uh, you know, the Labor Day weekend, maybe going on right now. Um, these, uh, these growers were from south-central Illinois, and so we know that there's uh, been you know, some harvest uh, develop, and uh, crops have uh, had a chance to dry down a fair amount uh, in the eastern Corn Belt because of a large area of high pressure kind of out in the Ohio Valley. Yeah, if but as you said, with rain in the forecast this week, it uh, may be limited how much uh, they can really get going here as they get started. Now, we were reminded last week at the Farm Progress Show in Boone when that rain hit on Tuesday that uh, that ground was already pretty saturated, and uh, um, they're going to need some they're going to need some drying in that part of the country. Yes, they are, and um, that is going to uh, develop. I mean, we're going to have a drier pattern uh, during the next week and a half, two weeks, and then it does look like September, uh, the last half of the month, is going to be a little bit lighter on the precipitation side here in the western belt, and, you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, certainly, I think, uh, pretty welcome as far as, uh, as, as far as that side of things is concerned. Uh, do I think that we're going to turn just uh, real hot and dry right away? No, I don't. Do I think we're going to turn cold right away? Uh, I don't think so either. And actually, Mike, I, I think that a milder temperature pattern so far would help to uh, dry out ground more than anything. But uh, we're, we're getting awfully close to the, uh, to the point in the calendar uh, where the uh, occurrence of precipitation is going to be an impediment uh, that could last for a while, obviously, because we're running out of uh, daylight length relative to just a couple weeks ago. And so it is going to be uh, a uh, slower process to uh, get ground in shape if there is uh, a round of heavy moisture. Now, you mentioned the tropical storm in the Gulf. How far-reaching will that be? I think that uh, the big impact from Gordon is going to be over the Delta and into the, uh, the Deep South, and I do think that it's going to cause some disruption to harvest that's going on there, along with uh, maybe uh, causing some problems with uh, cotton that has started to open up, you know, for harvest. So there could be some damage there. But I think the big uh, impact is going to be uh, a disruption in harvest uh, for the Delta. And it uh, does not appear that Gordon is going to uh, be one of these uh, storms like uh, Harvey was last year, where that storm uh, just uh, kind of lingered for, you know, almost a full week. Uh, when it uh, when it caused all of that heavy rain in the southeastern Texas area, it looks like Gordon is going to be uh, more of a progressive type storm in terms of uh, making landfall, then moving inland, getting caught up in some sort of an upper air flow, and then moving away. And that is sort of the evolution that I think would be best for everybody. All right, what are we seeing around the, the globe, some of those other trouble spots we've been watching internationally? Well, it still is troublingly dry in Australia. The eastern part of Australia uh, is uh, in the grip of a, 
of a uh, terrific drought, and uh, this has not been uh, favorable for crop prospects, and it's not helpful to farmer attitudes. Uh, Mike, the indications are from uh, some surveys that have been done that the mood of the Australian uh, producers uh, is at its lowest level in more than 10 years. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, have, being under the uh, grip of a, uh, an excruciating drought. And then in uh, Russia and Ukraine, uh, the wheat and the barley crops are going to be well over 10%, probably more than 15% less than last year because of dryness. And it doesn't look like they're going to have a whole lot of moisture to plant their wheat crop uh, for this uh, next year. That's going to be an issue. Then in Brazil, central Brazil is dry, and right now it's not a big deal, but the official start date of the Brazil soybean planting season is coming up a week from Saturday, September 15th. And when it's uh, dry in central Brazil, the Mato Grosso producers will certainly take their time in terms of planting, uh, waiting for some rainfall to give them soil moisture to work with. So those are the key things internationally that I think are are, uh, kind of at the top of the list right now. I know you had a good visit with a lot of uh, producers uh, from uh, several states last week when we were in Boone for the Farm Progress Show. What were you hearing from growers? Well, generally a, a, a lot of caution, and I think I think it had to do more with uh, more with markets and uh, you know everything than than uh, necessarily a weather uh, situation. Uh, frankly, Mike, I I did not hear um, other than you know some uh, you know some um, some disruption in uh, planting progress last spring in the upper Midwest, the northern part of the Corn Belt. I didn't hear that there have been uh, a whole lot of real large-scale weather issues for this year. Now, the exception would have been in southern Iowa, because we had some growers there from uh, southern and southeastern Iowa, and they are concerned about their their crop size for this year. Uh, Yields are definitely going to be uh, down in that part of the country. That's a reinforcement of uh, conditions that we've already um, identified and, and uh, you know, had confirmation on. But as far as uh, other areas of the Corn Belt uh, are concerned, uh, when I talked about yield prospects and so forth, uh, most uh, everybody was in agreement that when you get outside of uh, that that real dry pocket of southeast Iowa, northern Missouri, uh, part of western Illinois, uh, extreme western Illinois, that uh, conditions overall are still quite promising as far as yields are concerned. Now we just got to get it out. That's right. All right. Thanks, Bryce. Good to talk to you. You too, Mike. Thank you. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right. Bob Deneen up next with the Renewable Fuels Association. Another lawsuit has been filed. We'll tell you about it next on Adams on Agriculture. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. 
So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache. Or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented MyPillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. Soda, a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. That's right. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium my pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. To order, go to mypillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Call 800-871-7280 or go to mypillow.com and use promo code FARM11. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help. America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call mobile help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, the Renewable Fuels Association and Growth Energy have filed a lawsuit in federal district court alleging that EPA and Department of Energy have improperly denied agency records requested by RFA, Growth Energy, and others under the Freedom of Information Act. Joining us now is Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Bob, thanks for joining us. Tell us about the, your this decision to file another lawsuit. Well, for months, as we heard about uh, waivers uh, uh, being issued,
by EPA to various companies, we, along with uh, several others, were just seeking information from the agency about who they were, why they were uh, getting waivers, what criteria was, was being used, how many gallons were being affected. And uh, when Scott Pruitt was administrator, he was intent upon keeping that information from the public. He, they were um, doing all of this secretly uh, away from the, uh, the eye of the public, uh, and it was distorting the marketplace because those companies that were receiving waivers had information about uh, the market that nobody else had and were able to leverage that in a way that uh, was extraordinarily unfair. It was having a huge impact. And so we went through the Freedom of Information Act process trying to get the agency to, uh, to fess up and acknowledge what was happening and got nothing but the Heisman from, from EPA. Uh, so finally we were forced uh, to go to court. And it's a really sad statement that, uh, you know, we had to go to court to get the agency just to uh, acknowledge what it's been up to, but uh, that's what it's come to. It seems more and more, Bob, and you know this better than me, but it doesn't appear to me that there's much of a change in the way things are being done at EPA from Scott Pruitt now to Andrew Wheeler, uh, maybe a little more openness as far as going out and talking with people, but uh, seems like they're kind of following the same uh, path they were on. Well, you know, Andy Wheeler has indeed uh, acknowledged the number of waivers that have been granted, but he hasn't stated to, you know, whom they were given or, most importantly, from my perspective, what the criteria is. So, yeah, I think your assessment is right. There may be a bit more openness, but this is still a process cloaked in secrecy, and that has marketplace impacts. It has legal impacts, uh, and certainly uh, we think the public has a right to know uh, how this program is being implemented and why the agency has decided to waive the obligation for so many highly profitable refineries without any clear sense of what the criteria is for them getting a waiver or uh, certainly uh, what the plan is to reallocate those gallons. Uh, And our point is, if the law says you've got to blend 15 million gallons of renewable fuels and then the agency goes out and waives uh, a billion and a half gallons to highly profitable companies, uh, that is uh, destructing demand from ethanol and farmers. It is subsidizing highly profitable refineries and we think makes a mockery of an important renewable energy program that this country has had for a dozen years. Earlier this year, your group and several others filed a lawsuit over the uh, uh, the uh, waiver issue. Can you give us an update on where does that stand? Well, the courts move slowly, uh, uh, but in the Tenth Circuit, we, we did challenge a couple of the waivers that uh, we knew had been granted, not because EPA uh, told us so, but because the companies themselves had to acknowledge in their own uh, filings that uh, they got this benefit. So we challenged them, uh, but uh, the, the schedule for uh, oral arguments and for briefings is not yet complete, but we, we hope to, before next spring, have 
uh, a decision out of the Tenth Circuit. We also filed a, a broader challenge under the uh, uh, Clean Air Act in the uh, U.S. Court of Appeals, and uh, that remains stayed by us. We wanted to see how this all plays out, but we think we'll be activating that case uh, very soon also. Meanwhile, Bob, it's it's not just speculation. I mean, you have uh, you have analysis showing the damage being done by these waivers. Yeah, the, the the mantra from the oil companies has been, oh, there's nothing to see here. There's no real damage. Uh, ethanol sales remain strong. Well, uh, there's no truth to that whatsoever. The fact of the matter is, you take two and a quarter billion gallons of biofuel demand and you cast it aside, there is going to be an impact. And we're seeing the impact now on the marketplace with uh, stocks at record levels, with prices in the tank. Uh, Companies know, oil companies know, that they can uh, purchase uh, these credits that are now in abundance as opposed to uh, blending an actual gallon. And it is having an impact in the marketplace. It is completely unnecessary. They're hurting farmers. More importantly, it's hurting consumers that could be benefiting from a higher-octane, lower-cost uh, renewable fuel. Uh, it makes no sense, and we're going to make sure, ultimately, that the law is upheld and that farmers have this important value-added market. We're talking with Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Bob, last week I was in Bunai with the Farm Progress Show. I, I went to the uh, the ethanol rally uh, there at the show site. Uh, Secretary Purdue was there. And he made it sound like we might hear something this week on year-round E15 sales. He said last week he got a call from President Trump saying he wanted to get this thing uh, uh, resolved and uh, made it sound like it could happen this week. What are you hearing? Well, you, there are lots of rumors in this town. It, uh, it survives on, on rumors, I think. Uh, look, I hope it's true. But the Secretary also seemed to indicate that if it came, it would come as part of a deal in which refiners get something, too. And to that I say, what in the world are you talking about? Refiners have already gotten their end of the deal. They've gotten two and a quarter billion gallons of demand destruction with no comment, uh, you know, from uh, the public, with no opportunity for the ethanol industry to review or to get something for that. So, you know, my view is uh, they've gotten theirs. It's time for farmers to get something uh, that could begin to make up for the demand destruction that has occurred, and the pain that is being felt as farmers bear the brunt of trade policies that this administration is pursuing. Enough of, you know, we, if we give something to farmers, we've got to give something to refiners, too. That is utter nonsense. If you get the year-round E15 sales without the package, being part of a package, giving something back to the oil industry, and we'd have to wait and see what that is, but just the E15 year-round sales what kind of an impact would that have on the industry, Bob? Well, the impact in terms of actual gallons would probably be small for a while, but it would send an important signal that the administration is indeed committed to growing this market. And it would send an important signal to investors that, okay, uh, we can invest in the infrastructure to allow higher-level blends. We can continue to pursue higher ethanol blends, higher-octane fuels, uh, E15, E30, whatever the, the blend level might be. But this administration needs to send that signal because the signal that has been sent is that the, this EPA is going to limit the market opportunities for ethanol and biofuels, that, that we are going to 
be cast into this 10% bucket and, and not be allowed to grow beyond that. So the administration needs to send a signal that it's going to help the, the ethanol industry grow, that it's going to provide this important value-added market for farmers, that we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so, you know, the impact isn't going to be immediate. It's not going to make up for two and a quarter billion gallons of demand destruction, but it would send an important signal. That's all we're asking. You know, we're waiting for those 2019 uh, RVO levels to be announced, but unless these other issues are cleared up and we get the information you're seeking, uh, even if those numbers come out and they look good and they're on time, uh, they're really the impact. uh, It's hard to, uh, you know, judge how positive that would be in light of uh, if we have continuing weakening of the RFS due to the waivers. Exactly. If the administration does not change its policy with respect to granting hardship waivers to highly profitable oil companies in the face of record low commodity prices and a staggering farm economy, then the the numbers that they um, will release are meaningless. They don't mean anything as long as EPA is allowed to uh, waive uh, significant volumes from this program uh, because an oil company happens to have a stamp and the, and the correct address for EPA with no real criteria for what necessitates a hardship waiver. In my mind, there can't possibly be a hardship of blending a higher-octane, lower-priced product into gasoline. No refinery sees a hardship from that. Consumers see nothing but benefit from that. Farmers would see an, a value-added market as a consequence of that. What in the world is the administration, you know, afraid of in just empowering consumers? Do the oil companies have that significant a grasp over this administration that they can't say, sorry, we're going to implement the law as it is. We're going to make sure that consumers have access to a lower-priced product and farmers have this value-added market. It's time for the administration to step up and do something for farmers, do something for consumers, allow the year-round use of E15, stop these waivers from being granted so, you know, so easily, and put this program back on track. All right, Bob, as always, thank you for the update, and we'll look forward to hopefully having some uh, answers to these uh, questions and issues soon. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Bob Deneen, President, CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Well, we're still waiting on a NAFTA deal. Canada uh, still not in the fold with the U.S. and Mexico. We'll get an update on that from Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable 
comfortable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio. You're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. <laughs> they can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. 
Antonio H. told us, great company. Got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. At the end of last week, there was hope that Canada would be back into the fold for a NAFTA deal with the U.S. and Mexico, but that is not the case yet. Let's talk about it with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, uh, how close or how far do you think we are from uh, getting Canada back in the fold? Well, we're going to find out fairly quickly. They don't have an awful lot of time to make this happen. Um, The way the uh, administration notified Congress, which they did last Friday, about this agreement with Mexico, sets up a timeline where the administration has to send a final text of the agreement to the Congress by September 30th. And they told Congress about the agreement with Mexico, but they also included Canada. So Canada basically has between now and September 30th where they can join in and uh, be a part of this updated NAFTA agreement. But there's a lot of issues that are still dividing, whether it's dairy pricing, some of the auto rules issues, dispute settlement panels, grain grading, several things that are out there that uh, Canada needs to come to agreement with the U.S. on and uh, be part of this agreement for all this to go forward. And some of those issues, like dairy, uh, we knew going in months ago that uh, that, those were key areas, that was a key area, and it seems like here we are, all this time later, still talking about that issue. Yeah, yes, we are. It's very, uh, you know, something the U.S. wants to make a lot of progress on, something that's domestically uh, significant and sensitive politically for Canada. Uh, You know, but it kind of follows the way Canada has done business in the past. We saw this in the Trans-Pacific Partnership negotiations. We saw it when Canada did their negotiations with the European Union. Um, Their dairy issues, it always seems to come down to the end. It's one of the last issues ever decided uh, during trade negotiations with countries, and it looks like it's going to be much the same way here. Now, there's two separate issues going on. There's been the long-standing concern of the U.S. about the effect of Canada's overall supply management programs for both dairy and poultry, and the high tariffs those have to have, and the limited access the U.S. has to the Canadian market, uh, high tariffs on uh, imports. So that's been a constant thing over the years and is included now in these NAFTA talks. And then there was the Class 7 dairy pricing uh, program Canada put in about two years ago, trying to make a, uh, their own dairy products uh, more attractive for, with ultra-filtered milk for their cheese processors, which they were successful at, and the U.S. lost that market. So those are the uh, issues. They're, they're big issues for Canadian agriculture, Canada's dairy industry, uh, important issues for our dairy industry. So I think they'll, uh, they'll have to keep going to the end. You know, you're never sure in the negotiations how much all these issues were actually discussed up to this point. Sometimes they're there, but there isn't a lot of negotiation on them until there has to be. 
well, it seems to be we've uh, pretty much arrived at the point where there has to be negotiation now. Meanwhile, of course, the president tweeted over the weekend, there is no political necessity to keep Canada in the new NAFTA deal. If we don't make a fair deal for the U.S. after decades of abuse, Canada will be out. Congress should not interfere with these negotiations or I will simply terminate NAFTA entirely and we will be far better off. Is that uh, just uh, to put pressure on Canada or how do we how do you read these uh, comments by the president? Well, it's certainly where it came out, and over this uh, short time frame, it adds pressure. Uh, and negotiations at the end are, are a lot about pressure. There's already pressure, and he's, uh, the president's certainly trying to add to it to get some uh, candidates to the negotiating table on, the, on these issues. So I think that's mostly uh, what that's about. It was set up because of the uh, notice the administration sent last week highlighted Mexico and said could include Canada. So they've set it up where both could go forward or the administration could go forward with just a U.S.-Mexico trade agreement. Um, that's really not what I think you know, people want. We want to see all three countries included in an updated NAFTA, but it's, it's set up that way uh, for now at least. Um, and, of course, we'll have to see how that works out. You know, Congress gave authority to the administration to do this negotiation based on the fact that it's a three-country negotiation, to renegotiate the NAFTA as a whole, not to just negotiate a U.S.-Mexico agreement. And a lot of the Hill has said, you know, no, go ahead, we want Canada included. This is supposed to be a three-country negotiation, not a two-country trade agreement. So there'll be some uh, legal and technical things to work around if it ends up being a two-country agreement. But I uh, still think, you know, this is not uncommon for trade negotiations, that all the tough issues wait till the end. It's a lot of uh, things, uh, you know, juggling a lot of balls in the air at once before this all gets resolved. And that's uh, what we see going on here right now. Have you seen any details of, on the Mexican-U.S. trade deal when it comes to agriculture? Well, we've seen the overall fact sheets that have come out, and it's, at some point text will uh, will come out, of course, that by the end of the, this month it will all have to be sent up to Congress. Um, the, our, the main points out of the Mexico agreement um, probably was the fact that NAFTA continues and the fact that continued zero tariffs for agricultural products between the U.S. and Mexico. That's something we achieved during the course of the NAFTA and something we definitely wanted to keep going, so that's positive. Um, we also had some new language updating, again, what's now about 25-year-old NAFTA language on uh, uh, food safety standards, making sure they're science-based and do the way that uh, the U.S. does it. So that's all good. Um, treatment for biotechnology, agricultural biotechnology, uh, something that wasn't really, uh, it was just uh, getting started 25 years ago, but, you know, better language, better and modern language about approval processes so the products can be traded freely. Um, geographic indications, there's language in there about that, about that uh, labeling issue that impacts both dairy and meat products. So those are some of the main things that, uh, that are in there. A lot of language that was, you know, had been agreed upon earlier. This stuff didn't come down to the very end. Some of this language came from the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement when the U.S. was in it. And, uh, of course, Canada and Mexico were also a part of that then and continue in the new TPP. So all uh, good, solid achievements uh, that the agriculture and food industry wanted out of this agreement. All right, Dave. Uh, so we continue to watch and see what uh, develops. It'll be a big month. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me. 
Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So this is a huge month, this month of September on the Farm Bill and on the NAFTA Talks. We'll keep you updated right here on AOA. Also coming up tomorrow, we'll start getting into some harvest reports where harvest is underway. So I hope you'll join us as well. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for being with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.